Hey folks, I'm David Goldstein. I'm Brian Brinkman. And you are tuned in to a very special episode of Beyond the Pond. This is generally the podcast in which Brian and myself use the music of Fish to introduce the listener to non-jam bands that we think that you might enjoy. As always, we love Fish. We are Fish fans. Sometimes Fish fans get a bit myopic. They don't see the forest for the trees and forget that other bands exist. We are here to do something about that. And today, we get to do it in a fashion with the crew of the Helping Friendly Pod, who let's introduce. Let's go around. Hey, this is Matt from the Helping Friendly Podcast. Hey, guys. It's RJ. Hi, this is Jonathan. All right. Uh, we're very excited to be here with uh, all of you guys. Um, if you guys listened to our episode that was on uh, Helping Friendly Pod, we talked a little bit about how we all got to fish. Here in this episode, we're going to talk about where we've gone from fish. Um, so kind of first things first, uh, do you guys want to give us just a little bit of an overview of Helping Friendly Pod and kind of where you guys got started, uh, how you know you guys got to this point? Yeah, I just I, I guess I want to start by saying that we have a chair for Brad. Um, I think hey, we should all... You know, toast to Brad. Um, Brad, Brad, and I started the Healthy Friendly Podcast in 2013 in um, June, I believe, um, because we wanted to give um, sort of a, an an outlet and a, a voice to fish fans who just wanted to talk about their fish experiences and the music they love. Um, there wasn't anything quite like it out there, and I love the um, stuff that's come before us especially fish.net and the stuff that they've been doing for forever that without them we would it would be much harder to track sort of fish without fish.net and i think it's interesting because looking back part of what our inspiration was that we wanted to like not keep it to this like small group of people who had such a long history with fish and i think the fish.net and the mockingbird foundation that's all such a great like family and you know not a lot of new voices were coming into this to the to the scene and then in 2013 with a couple of blogs including what you were doing brian and what zach and andy were doing there were these new sort of voices coming out and we wanted to to participate in that so what we want to do is just give like regular fish fans um a chance to talk about fish so we started having guests on from the beginning including everyone in this room but um i don't know it's interesting how it's evolved and and we we try to stay true to the roots of it which is to really just like get into depth about jams and shows mm -hmm. and and music and and play a lot of music and talk about a lot of music and um you know people are still listening so i guess it's working <laughs> i guess <laughs> <laughs> no i mean we've all really enjoyed uh uh listening to helping friendly podcasts over the last couple of years and i know you know rj you and i talked a lot when i was thinking about starting a podcast and introduced Dave and I really in terms of uh starting this whole project so you guys have been huge for us you guys are the you know ubiquitous fish podcast and I would anyone who's listening to us who doesn't listen to helping friendly podcasts it's kind of like people that haven't heard Yankee Hotel Foxtrot who listen to Beyond the Pond I don't know what's wrong Crazy. with you um, it's not a very big crossover in the Venn diagram <laughs> no one to blame by yourself right David right <laughs> If you're listening to this and haven't listened to Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, then press pause. <laughs> Go listen to Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Come back. Maybe maybe listen to HF Pod on listen the way. Listen to a Helping Friendly Podcast as <laughs> right. well. Um, so, like we were saying at the top, we're going to talk about where we've all gone musically from Fish. And to kind of kick things off, uh, we are 
almost done with 2017. There's been a lot of really good music that's come out this year. Wanted to just get a sense from everyone what your uh, favorite albums of 2017 thus far are. Matt, you want to go first? Yeah, so it's, it's good I'm going first because I probably have the most obvious answers, so I'll get them out of the way. Um, right now, for me, the album of the year, and I, I, I'm not aware of anything that's coming out that I think would dethrone this, is The War on Drugs, A Deeper Understanding. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just an amazing, amazing album from yeah. start to finish. I know you guys have covered that in depth, um, but that's really been the album of the year. I've been listening to that at least once a day for about well, since it came out, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next one was uh, that was had album of the year and was dethroned by the War on Drugs when that came out as the Father John Misty record, pure comedy. Um, that was another one that just really it's I didn't it's a really really mellow album. I wouldn't expect an album like that to be to rank so high for me, but um, I I just think it's amazing. Um, the lyrics, which I don't usually I'm not usually a lyrics guy, but his lyrics are incredible. Um, he's really his you know economy of words and the ideas that he gets uh, gets out there are pretty amazing. And then um, Ryan Adams, Prisoner, uh, another one that I, I he's just been on a hot streak. I mean, for me, he really can't do a, a whole lot that's wrong this, at this point. to uh, my note here says the collective output of King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard this year. <laughs> right. <laughs> because none of their albums, albums in a calendar year. I know. I mean, it looks like they're going to do it too. Yeah. And none of the albums have been my favorite of their albums or, or better than any of the three that I mentioned. But just overall, the fact that they've been putting out so much music this year, it's and, and all of it is good. Uh, it's it's I haven't heard any of it that I haven't absolutely loved yet. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so that's that's what 2017 looks like for me. What about you, RJ? Yeah, that was um, you. You recommended that album to me, I think, in the 
King Gizzard and the other things. It's really good. Um, I'm going to answer this slightly differently because I'm like, maybe like some people listening who want to discover new music, I'm like two years behind. So like what I listened to in 2017 is stuff that came out in 2013 or 2014. But it's interesting because like, I don't like I don't under, I don't yet understand a deeper understanding. Mm. Like I've listened to it multiple times and I'm still like absorbing it. So I'm still in the lost in the dream phase, but um the the things I've listened to the most that aren't fish. And it's not like I'm not listening to other music besides Fish and the Dead, Jonathan. I know uh-huh. that's what you were going to say. <laughs> that's what I'm going to say. Um I listen to a lot of jazz. I listen to a lot of classic rock and other stuff and a lot of you know i listen to a lot so, of music so joe walsh a lot of listening joe walsh. to joe walsh funk 49 life's nonstop. life's been good who <laughs> could get enough of that really but um music should just stop yeah the, the albums i've listened to the most this year though are with light and with love which i don't even know what year they came out but jonathan told me about it years ago I, that the, woods that's the yeah. woods that's it's, great it's amazing was that late i was thinking about that this morning is that 2017 or was that no, last year you know, Lighting with Love is the new newest one. That came out in April of this it year. It was April of yeah. this year. I so think he, he recorded it right after the election. Right. Um, yeah. So good. Really good. Um, I mean, Jonathan, I'm probably stealing one of Jonathan's because Jonathan God. turned me on to Damn his it. Golden Messenger, and we're gonna we're Sorry. going on a triple date. Jonathan, Rachel, and I are going on December 11th to see it together, although... Maybe many I'll of probably you will be, be there. there. Yeah. So you're gonna break. I'll up just be on the side of the <laughs> yeah, stage yeah, yeah. watching you guys. I, I really, I really love that. Um, I really yeah. love that album. I like the, and again, I haven't like really absorbed the the new album yet. I feel like I need like 20 listens to absorb a new album. Um, but I've been listening to the the last album a lot. Lateness and, with dancers. Yeah. Lateness. Heart Like a Levy was before. Heart Like yeah, a Levy was the recent one. Um, uh, I and all. did the Drive By Truckers album come out this year? No, the most that, recent um, one? that came out right around September 2016. Okay. I remember I've been listening to that a lot. I really like that. The day after the election, I listened to that album six times. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. All I could stomach. Yeah. Good record. It was like, it, to me, it's their best. It's my favorite album of theirs since Go Go Boots, I guess, probably. Like, I just, I really feel like it's. They kind of went in a different direction, and now they're they're back. But um, I'd even say it's their best since Brighter Than Creation is Dark, hmm. 2008. Interesting. I think it was a big career high watermark that really put them back in my good graces. Not that they ever left, but it yeah. was the right record at the right time. I have to call you out for that Woods thing. With Light and With Love came out in 2014. This year's Love is Love. Love is Love. Oh, well, Love is yeah. Love. All right. Right. So which one is it, RJ? I'm talking about With Light and With Love. Oh, I'm telling you, Christ, I'm, man. I'm telling you, I'm two to three years behind. Love is Love is amazing. Yeah. I just Vibrating. also Light and With Love, love is also awesome. like listening to.
so Jonathan, I'm gonna pass it to you, but I also just want to say that Ryan Adams, anything he does, in my eyes, is great. Yeah. Like I, it, it's all, it's really hard for me to be disappointed by anything Ryan Adams. He's on a he's great so streak. Good. Yeah. And was it Mandy Moore's got that show? This is us. So <laughs> it's a win-win. <laughs> like, but everybody's doing all right. Right. But I think they broke up, didn't they? Oh, yeah. That's oh, yeah. That's where President came. That's where President came from. Yeah. Yeah. So she's better. You're saying they're better off apart and they're, yeah. they're making yeah, yeah. their, he they're just, making their he own need, He needed a divorce and mm-hmm. Heartland Rock, and mm-hmm. that was what set him straight going forward. Mm-hmm. She's making America cry on Tuesday nights on <laughs> CBS or NBC, whatever the hell it is. When did you guys get that CBS ad deal? Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I'm jealous. <laughs> Um, so I, I do have some some albums uh, that are quite loving this year. So um, Wooden Wand, Clipper Ship, is um, yes. Wooden Wand is uh, James Toth, and uh, this Clipper Ship record came out earlier this year, and it's it's like it's psych folk vibes. You guys know Wooden Wand, so psych folk vibes, great lyrics. I just want to say that in, in case people can't see from the radio. That got the Beyond the Pond seal of approval. Double yeah. thumbs up. Did, yeah. This is like going somewhere. This is a branded concept, the Beyond the Pond seal of approval. So we'll see if this... Yeah. Keep going, man. Okay, see so it's, um, it's just an outstanding record. I mean, if you go in for psych folk or if you go in for good lyrics or you go in for, you know, beautiful, catchy melodies, if you go in for a little bit of drone, uh, for any one of those things, you go into that record, you're going to stay for the rest of those things and you're going to really love it. It's... Mexican Coke is one of my favorite oh, songs. Oh, God. I, I was making my wife listen to that the other day. I was like, listen to this. Listen to this song. And she was like, just shut up and drive. <laughs> but it's so good. Um, <laughs> and then, um, You're peering in on the conversations in my car. <laughs> the, uh, the next one I will point out is Chris Forsyth and Solar Motel Band, Oof. Dreaming the Non-Dream. Chris is, uh, I mean, this is guitar rock. So if you, you know, you're... Fish fans, right? You like guitars. You should be. You should listen to Chris Forsyth. Um, it's you know largely instrumental. There's some uh, some speak singing stuff going on. There's uh, somewhere in between, like um, I, it, television is a touch point, but they're not like television. Um, they're heavy like Crazy Horse, but they're way more technical, mm. um, and it, it's a great record uh it's really not very long the new record's not very long rarity of experience seemed was was a bit longer uh but just really tight great stuff and then my number three was uh his golden messenger but i spoke about that on you know on your show just a little while speak ago. again well it's i mean such a great record right i mean it's <laughs> so if you didn't hear me speak about it a little while back maybe you think you don't like bluegrass and you didn't want to listen to that that's wrong, but okay. Um, <laughs> this is Golden Messenger. I mean, it's like, it's got all this just, it's uplift. That's what this music does. You know, he, um, he can write about and in a dark place. We've seen that on his other records. Mm-hmm. You see it in this one, but this record really serves to like carry you up out of a dark place. And it's not like a super rousing gospel record or anything, but it's just going to, give you it gives you warmth yeah you know and um it's really the record i feel like we needed to come out at this point oh time. yeah there's so much tension that a record like that i can put on and i don't just feel good i feel 
like there's a rejoicefulness in it. There's like a desire to see through the darkness and work yourself through it. And it's kind of like a call to action for you. It can make that, at very least, it can make that moment feel okay. Yes. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's so good. And anything that has Phil Cook on it, I'll probably listen to anyways. So. Where there's a will, there are ways. So take this $5 bill. Go and buy yourself a Mexican Coke with a chain. Okay, let's see the three albums that I have right now. Number one would be Sleep Well Beast by The National. They are one of my favorite bands. I know we actually, um, certainly Brian and myself, covered this on an episode of Beyond the Pond. It was um, one of our first impressions episodes. I completely expected to like this album, so I'm not surprised that I do. The National are a band that are so 
clued into their own sound and they play to their own strengths. They know exactly what they want to sound like. They're fantastic songwriters and each of their records takes their time-worn formula and mixes it up just enough to really stay interesting from one album to the next. Like They're one of those bands that I mean, if you want to describe them as something, you call them sort of sad, bastardish dad rock for, like, city dwellers, which is <laughs> kind of what it is. I mean, it's wow. like 55 minutes of the scene from Eyes Wide Shut where Tom Cruise smokes the joint and argues with Nicole Kidman. And he's like, the pot is making you aggressive, honey. <laughs> so, but... <laughs> but it's great. I saw them live not that long ago. They've become a fan. I mean, really good live band. They have like LCD screens. They can play large arenas. Just very profesh. Very professional. Well done. And I would recommend their latest album highly. I'd recommend all their albums highly. Uh, let's see. Other than that, I have a guy from Princeton, New Jersey named Luke Elliott. And the album is called Dress for the occasion and he actually recorded it in Norway and I think it ranked pretty high on charts in Scandinavia and now he's trying to make it pop here in the States. He's he's a crooner, very much in the mold of a like a Leonard Cohen, Nick Cave. Every press photo of him you see he's wearing like a suit, like a blazer at the open collar. He doesn't really know from comfort. And he's got a baritone of these big story songs. His main instrument is piano. He also plays some guitar. The album is very well produced. He has a very good backing band. And anyone who likes a crooner, like Cave, like Cohen, I mean, that's the kind of style of music that we could use more of in our lives. That's a very good album. Um, I know he's uh yeah. I, I'm a little dubious. I don't think anything good has ever come out of Princeton, New Jersey. Hmm. That's a good point. I think it's actually, he's right outside Princeton, Lawrence. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so totally that's different. fine then. That's totally right. Yeah. Lawrence, kind of close <laughs> to Princeton. He identifies with Jersey. But yeah, he's actually, he's coming to the Mercury Lounge in New York City uh, in a few days after we record this. I'm hoping to get out there, although um, my evening activities could be a bit limited, but I'm going to try to get out there. Um, and then finally, I've got a guy... Originally from Philadelphia, I think when he made this record, he relocated to Nashville, Tennessee, named Ron Gallo. I believe he's uh, either 29, he might have just turned 30, and his latest album is called Heavy Meta, and it's a very twangy punk rock and roll record. It kind of harkens back to early 80s bands like uh, certainly Gun Club, keeps coming to mind. He's got a killer twang. He sings about addiction. He sings about um, this relationship he had. He's very yelpy, twangy. It rocks. It's incredibly catchy. And hopefully uh, he's doing his own tour. I know he's coming to New York in November. I think he's actually opening for Spoon on one date, which is a hell of a bill. I'm going to try to catch that. So if you're into... Uh, a twangy punk grunge from a guy who kind of looks a heck of a lot like uh, like Don't Look Back, Eric Dillon. I could recommend Ron Gallo highly. <laughs> it's a very specific niche. <laughs> I actually have a friend who is right in that zone. You've been 
album yet this year i have four that are in the running so i'll just run through them a couple of them we've already talked about so definitely the war on drugs a deeper understanding um we've talked about this band more than many of you probably want us to on beyond the pond so i'll spare you at this point in time uh great great record it keeps with every listen i find new things to hear from it and i'm going to see them again here in a couple of days very excited um the national sleep well beast as well uh that's a record that I really enjoy when that band really kind of screws around with their sound and screws around with the formula and they do it in a really elegant way here. Whereas the past record where they tried to do this high violet, um, my favorite record of 2010, probably one of my favorite records of the decade. You can definitely hear the editing process at work throughout the album. This is just a full band effort that I absolutely love and takes their sound out of the, kind of urban center uh, into a little bit more of a rural pastoral uh, setting. Um, His School of the Messenger as well, uplifting, amazing, everything I need right now musically, but um, a record that's really hung around with me throughout the entire year uh, is the self-titled 
return record from Slow Dive that came out in mm. April. Um, I'm going to go see them in a couple of weeks here um, at time of recording and incredibly excited about that show. The wall of sound that you get throughout the entire album, um, the vocals, the melodies that come through it, it's just, it's an absolutely um, brilliantly crafted record and a really, really fantastic return for a band that most bands go away for that period in time and they come back and they play something that's kind of substandard to what they were known for in their in their peak period but to come out of three excellent albums in the early 90s with something like this that really encapsulates their sound but also shows a way for them to grow forward really really exciting so um definitely been listening to that a lot that's in my top five as well yeah that is a shoegaze masterclass. Yeah. and i'll put in a plug for our second episode of beyond the pond where we cover the shoegaze genre which slow dive definitely absolutely comes out of that
ask you both a question? Mm. You ever listen to uh, All Songs Considered? Oh, yeah. Yes. At the time when the Bon Iver first record came out, was it for Ella Forever Ago, or whatever, for Emma Forever Ago, whatever it was, it was... Um, it's a good record, and they were, of course, all about it. And then after that record had been out for a while, everybody, all of these other records that kind of touched onto that sound would come out, and they'd mention Bon Iver on every single episode. And then they got to noticing that they were mentioning it on every single episode and made a joke about having, like, a, a bucket to drop a dollar into. So <laughs> you guys should consider doing that, uh, raise a collection for, um, you know, summer tour or something. Yeah, uh, donation. With the, with the war on you, drugs. You mentioned yeah. the war on oh. drugs. I'm down with that. There you go. Not the policy. Only That's the, the, band. the Beyond the Pond right. drinking game. Hey. Do a shot every time you hear the war on drugs. <laughs> and you there you go. Don't hear the rest of the episode because you're passed out like 10 minutes into it. Um, all right. So, kind of been getting in the meat of, the, of, this, uh, of this episode. So, we're going to talk about where we've all gone musically from Fish, but we need a good starting point for this. So, uh, just want to hear from everyone uh, what's your favorite era of Fish and kind of what is this era? say about your larger musical interests so mine um my two favorite eras are fall 97 and fall 95 um and i think in terms of my own um musical preferences and what that says about me i talked uh i think the last time about um loving you know prog rock um and so i got into really long pieces i also love to dance i like dance music a lot um, and I kind of like long disco mixes and stuff like that. So I think um, those two eras uh, kind of seal the deal for me in terms of those those aspects. kind of a cheesy answer but i swear my Great. favorite era of fish is is the current era that i'm living in like i i really i mean 2017 so you can interpret that two ways one that 2017 was amazing because of baker's dozen etc which is true but also just that like in in 2013 like that was my favorite era of fish i mean I, fall 97 i lived through and i got i was lucky enough to see 10 or 12 shows in fall 97 i mean it's 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 timeless but to me like it's about continuing to discover i guess in terms of what it says about me and my musical interests like i don't have a strong anchor in terms of fish i just want them to keep playing and i want to keep discovering new music and i'm i don't know that that's just like the way that question sounded to me so that's that's interesting you found a very neat way to tell everybody that you think fall 97 is garbage <laughs> so i'm impressed i'm impressed I'm, there, um, there's not a there's not a single fish memory that's stronger in my mind than than Dayton. we would have know. faulted you if this was june 2010 <laughs> yeah yeah right. my favorite my favorite two ever was you know summer 2010 no but i mean my strongest fish memory ever besides island tour probably is being at date in 97 and when they went back into the tube jam so i don't i don't have to fucking you know prove my bona fides to you jonathan i'm just saying <laughs> hey man you don't have hey man, to i was there i was there bro. you don't have to put your dukes up or nothing man <laughs> just like settle down oh man it's just like it's what brings us all back though right every every year there's more shows and there's something to love about all the shows and there's something to continue to bring us further along it's why we sat 
Matt and I sat on different sides of the road in different places trying to get MSG tickets at 12 o'clock on our way to Festi because because this is what drives us and discovering new music is what is is I think part of the, what drives me. Four ninety-five guy, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> Those were the days. Yeah. So you Tell know, you but, about kids today. Yeah, <laughs> right, <laughs> something, something, kids. Um, you know, none of these answers are wrong, of course. But you know, I, I like ninety-four, ninety-five. That's when I where I came in with Fish. That is, um, that's you know, a band that was peaking hard, and you know going out but also they had somewhere to land and could you know really just you know strong chops the compositions were strong they were just on fire and um different kind of fire came later but these are this is the stuff i like which is kind of what ties me gets me to listen to you know what other things i listen to are bands that go out i like a band that gets weird but i also like um strong songs. So I have an era of fish that uh, consistently rises above all other eras for me, and I listen to it regularly. I never get sick and tired of it. It's uh, June 1995. Um, this, to me, is... Uh, in some cases, I might say this is the peak of fish uh, overall. There's some excellent, excellent music that comes afterwards, but the combination of... They're playing some of these bigger venues for really the first time. They have mastered their compositions and their songs and they all are played with a tightness and with an energy that reflects everything they've been working towards until that point but they jammed every single night uh they intentionally explore space and noise and dissonance in a way that while they would in my first era that i saw fish in real time to that uh, 2.0 nothing sounds as out there as fish in june of 1995 um, and for me this really reflects the music i listen to on a regular basis now i'm a huge um, ambient music just geek i dive into everything that brian eno's done uh mark mcguire emeralds boards of canada 
Nicholas Jar, I, Tim Hecker. These are all artists that have just totally taken me in the years since I started listening to Fish. And so I can see a complete and direct line from discovering December 90 or summer 95, the SPAC June 26, 95 show with a 30 minute disease, 20 minute free, just unbelievable jamming really was the first show I heard from that era and just blew my head open. And there's not a single show from that, that tour. I, I would pass up listening to. I absolutely love it all. And, um, has definitely impacted where I am today. taking a step back or actually a step forward um, we wanted to talk about kind of where we've all gone from fish so kind of start with you Matt could you perhaps go through like a musical lineage and perhaps like three bands where have you gone from fish into new music and how have you been led there yeah so I think um, I, I a lot of the bands, I, you know, I mentioned before we, we talked about like getting into the Grateful Dead and some of the natural things I think people just sort of get into because of Fish directly. You know, um, I, I knew of the Talking Heads, I knew of their material, but I didn't know like all about them. I wouldn't necessarily have explored them as much um, if it early, you know, as quickly as I did if it hadn't been for Fish. Um, but I think that there's there really hasn't been any specific bands that I've kind of like wasn't aware of that I found out of because because of fish I think it was just more an approach to the way to listen to music um you know I, I, certainly you know I, I mentioned the talking heads Zappa um is one that you know I, I probably had a little bit of extra motivation to check out um I probably could attribute some of my love of bluegrass to um, you know, fish and their explorations with it. I could also just attribute my love of bluegrass to all the women that I've dated and married who love bluegrass. And sometimes you got to go where the ladies are, right? Um, so, you know, it's the same reason I went to eight string cheese incident concerts. You know, sometimes you just do things. I think you're just out of your mind. <laughs> eight. Um, eight. You're gonna have to have a meeting. Yeah. Uh, all of all of Matt's wives love. Bluegrass. Wives? <laughs> Don't give me trouble. Um, yeah, so I think that's... To, to get back to the point, though, I think it, there hasn't been anything that I like just, oh, Fish played that and I heard that song and I wasn't aware of it before. It was just kind of reinforcing the direction that I was going and um, helping me think about music in a different way. The world is real, looking at people. Sometimes we feel that the world is wrong. She loves the world and all the people in it. Oh, 
definitely like there's I think I, I don't think I ever listened to Talking Heads until after Halloween 96 um, but I was I was yeah mind, wow. mind blowing as Jonathan said or, or signaled um, yeah it, you know I was young enough that I hadn't actually heard of them yet and I started listening to them shortly thereafter my wife I think had listened to the Talking Heads before she listened to Fish and one of the many reasons that you know she's way cooler than I am but um, two other bands that I think came that I became aware of specifically because Trey mentioned them in interviews. One is Pavement, and I think mm. <clears throat> maybe '94, like there was an interview in some magazine where like every time Trey was interviewed anywhere, you paid attention and found out mm-hmm. somehow. And I remember him mentioning listening to Pavement and that Pavement was one of his favorite bands. And then of course I started listening to Pavement. That might have been later on in the '90s. I don't remember, but I know that there was. Trey like, became obsessed with Pavement, and I want to say 1999. Okay, yeah, maybe it was later. It was later. Okay. They covered Gold Sounds in Pittsburgh in '99. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think he had been he had talked about that in an interview around that time. So then I started listening to them shortly thereafter, and of course, like to me, the biggest kind of jump that I probably would have never discovered if not for Fish is my bloody Valentine, because mm-hmm. he was clearly. You know, thinking about and echoing the sounds of Kevin Shields, and there, there's looking looking back now, you can hear it um, in a lot of different contexts. I think, but that's just especially it's a, like Fall '97. Yeah, heard a lot. Yeah, there, and I didn't know at the time. I think this was after, and going back, and I mean, Loveless is just such a um, seminal album. I think in like every way you can think about it. That that's like I don't know. So that's like directly influenced by Fish. You know. Yeah. And I had, you know, classic rock and jazz and indie rock and other things that I've continued to stay on the same track of, but those were, like, specific things that I probably wouldn't have discovered otherwise, which I'm really pretty thankful for. I keep my to yourself
Yeah, I think um, My Bloody Valentine would be the one he was mentioning in interviews in 94 mm. would be mm-hmm. then. Because I remember reading about that. And and I, I, despite that, missed My Bloody Valentine in the 90s. It was just, I was listening to so much more Grateful Dead and Fish than other things. Just so many things kind of just passed them by. Uh, but then I picked them up uh, early part of this century. And I was like, oh, shit. You know, that's just amazing and i'm not entirely certain i credit fish with with that but um they're a good pick so i had trouble with this like trying to figure what fish led me to so um i you know jerry garcia played bluegrass so i kind of credit him with that and um talking heads you know i listened to talking heads since um was it uh one creatures came out you know uh little creatures little creatures um, when that came out, we were watching the videos on MTV and listening to the Talking Heads. And eighty-five. I probably hadn't yeah. listened to Remain in Light more than once. Hmm. You know, listened to it at the record store um, and the Velvet Underground. I'd listened to Velvet Underground in high school, but I probably hadn't listened to Loaded more than once, maybe twice. Um, I didn't have a copy of it, um, but I liked them. You know, so there, there were not a lot of like direct handoffs. But I would say that, and this is what I came to, is like I wrote kind of a path. So listening to and loving 95 Tweezers, like those in June, Mm. for example, um, kind of put my head in the right kind of place that years later when I came across Oneida, I could listen to, I could listen to their stuff. And they, you know, they drive and get out and do a thing that Fish may have only done for like a couple minutes of a couple of tweezers, but it's a sound that I like and to hear it from this band, um, you know, that was, that was a big hook for me. And I got into Oneida and I got a ton of their records. Great, great band. And then, um, somewhere in there listening to them and some other groups, I learned about a group called Destruction Unit, Mm. which is, a heavy they're from the southwest and they're like heavy noise rock i i don't even know how to properly uh describe it because it's not i don't live in that zone but i do have several records that kind of fall into that and i have several of their records it's just immense powerful sound that is not um um it ain't chill <laughs> but it is at the same time you can put it on and it, it's meditative in its own way it's um and then from there i would easily draw a line to somebody like the cosmic dead who are um they're uk i think scottish and they're uh, very heavy noisy psych um they have a little bit of uh crowdish kind of drone and some of their tempos and you know I probably would not have landed there if I had not listened to all of this other stuff that grew out of listening to Fish. But, you know, it's hard to draw a lot of direct lines. But that <laughs> might be one of them.
think for me, certainly, growing up in the 80s and watching lots of MTV, I was very aware of who the talking heads were. Certainly, Burning Down the House, And She Was, Wild Wild Life, all those jams. Um, certainly Once in a Lifetime, which I knew was on Remain in the Light, but until Fish played it on Halloween 96, I had never actually sat down to listen to Remain in Light. And I think probably out of all their Halloween shows, that was the one that stayed with me the most for the cover because I went out and bought the record the next day and said, oh my God. And then from there, <laughs> you go out and you buy the Talking Heads live album. The name of this band is Talking Heads, mm -hmm. which has early air and like Remaining Light era and is fantastic. There's tons of YouTube footage of the Remaining Light tour where they had multiple drummers and they had Agent Blue from King Crimson just doing all kinds of rip shit stuff. So certainly, while I was aware of the Talking Heads before Fish did remain in light, it really opened up the world even more so. Even going to all the David Byrne solo albums and like side projects like Tom Tom Club and whatnot. Uh, certainly, the Fall '97 stuff, the funk, almost really got me into listening to Electric Miles Davis which you want to have your face blown off by wah pedals. Imagine a band of extremely skilled jazz musicians, every one of whom is armed with a wah pedal and just the funkiest bass lines you've ever heard and just stuff blowing up in all directions. So, um, On the corner? Yeah, on the corner, yeah. absolutely. On yeah. the corner, um, certainly Bitches Brew in a silent way, on the corner, get up with it, all that era. Jack Johnson. Yes, Jack on the Johnson. corner, I feel like encapsulates a very specific like funk part of that. That like bitches brew and Jack Johnson were. But anyway. Sorry. Yeah. No. On the corner was uh, the more of the John McLaughlin just blowing yeah. shit up. Yeah. So where are you on Dark Mages? I like Dark Mages. <laughs> I don't like it quite as much as Live Evil. And then you go from Live Evil to the Cellar Door Sessions, where all the stuff from Live Evil was remixed. This is why something like Spotify is really good because it allows you to really do incredibly fast, deep dives into mm -hmm. artists. Mm -hmm. um, also, the version of 2001 that Fish plays is the Deodato version. Ymir Deodato was a Brazilian guy who put out um, a record in 1972 had that 2001. Preludes. It, yes, preludes, exactly. A bunch of other... Seriously funky Coke Spoon inspired dance songs that I listened to <laughs> all the time in college. But also, what was good about Fish is that when I met like other Fish fans, they had other musical tastes that they could turn me on to. It's generally, if you met a Fish fan who had a lot of tapes, went to a lot of shows, chances are there are lots of other bands that you hadn't heard of, and vice versa. So, I mean, I trace it back to one evening my freshman year, um, sitting in a dorm room with a guy that I had met just from trading fish tapes and he played me silent way he played me deodato i think we listened to some mr bungle which i was already aware of but i saw mike Patton in a whole different light after that evening um you know just like try to find a direct line direct handoffs not so much but in terms of having me opening my mind to listen to like a variety of like different music certainly fish helped also um before, I'll say, I kind of beyond the pond of a guy in college. I was writing for this week. 
I was writing for this weekly trademark. <laughs> I was writing for this weekly newspaper, and the like music editor was a huge Zappa fan. He's like, Zappa's my personal hero. Zappa this, Zappa that. Couldn't listen to Fish because he thought it was all hippie bullshit. And I just told him, look, this song "Divided Sky" it's not that different than "Watermelon and Easter Hay." It's the same thing. It's compositional rock with extended guitar solos and he was really reluctant and eventually he's like you know what hate to say it you're right you're right there's a lot of Frank Zappa and Fish and vice versa so. those are the best those are the best words in, in the English language yeah you're, you're right. right right yeah you know <laughs> especially as a music fan <laughs> can we do a separate conversation about Miles Davis oh absolutely cool
So for me, there are three bands I can trace directly off of Fish, kind of different periods and times in my life. But um, the first, My Morning Jacket, So It Still Moves, came out during my second week of my freshman year of college and was the kind of record that bridged for so many of us, extended jams, extended songs, but so many of my buddies and I who were raised on classic rock albums. And that, uh, that album, I mean, that could have come out in 1976 and would have fit just perfectly. Um, this really helped cement for me listening habits as someone who has always sought a lifelong balance between the experimentations of fish in the live setting and also really needing studio work to complement my rotations. I need an album that has a story, that has a narrative, and it still moves absolutely as one of those. Um, a few years later, uh, I discovered Animal Collective, um, and this really is traced directly back to my summer 95 interest. Um, I first heard of them through Meriwether Post Pavilion, and I just loved how they bridged melody with noise with this really avant-garde sound and the song structures all kind of wilted away and then would build back up but i quickly discovered sung tongs feels strawberry jam and especially panda bear's 2007 album person pitch which i, I don't know if, if you pulled me in 2020 to rank the top 10 albums of the last 20 years that's going to be in my top five i think it's a monumental achievement and um i could listen to that album at any point in time um though with the was it Company Nautica? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then the last band, this band was basically broken down to me that you love Fish, you love Wilco, how are you not listening to Yola Tango? Hmm. And I didn't really have a good answer. <laughs> and um, I f first was introduced to this band when I was in Korea, fall of 2009, one of the most monumental periods for me in terms of discovering new music because at that same time fish was killing off an album a day on a website leading up to festival eight yeah and i used that as kind of a jumping off point i downloaded every single record that was on there because i said if fish might play this or if they're influenced by this i have to hear all these records and a lot of them were records i hadn't heard in some time um and just wanted to give another chance in a new setting but other records television the Minutemen, I mean, these were albums, Another Green World, that I just couldn't make any excuses for why I didn't know at that point. And it launched me into a whole new uh, period of listening to music. But anyway, getting back to Yola Tango, I heard the album Fake Book, which from a songwriting standpoint really just pulled me in. Really beautiful, sweet album from them, very folky. But then I heard 2000s and then Nothing Turned Itself Inside Out. In 1997's I Can Hear the Heart Beating as One, and I was really shown the light. Um, those three are absolutely unbelievable songwriters in the live setting. They change up their shows on a regular basis. I've seen them multiple times, and I've never seen the same show twice. Um, they're just the most reliable band, I think, in modern indie rock. Uh, yeah, everything that they've, that they've created is um, on par with what I've gotten out of Fish. You throw on like an excellent fish set, the different places that you're taking musically. Yola Tango does that from a record standpoint still to this day. Um, so yeah, those are definitely three bands that have come off for me in terms of listening to fish. Just a quick shout out to my lovely wife, Jessica Davis. She is entirely responsible for turning me into a Yola Tango junkie. 
I think it might have been our third date. She had a copy of I Can Hear the Heart Beating as one. She said, you haven't heard this? I said, not really. I said, okay, we're going to play it now. We're not going to talk until it's over. And after that, I thought, now we got to get married. <laughs> so...
So just for, for listeners out there who, who aren't in the room, it feels like the zombies are are approaching. They're, if you can hear any background noise, it's because there's dogs, humans, uh, big and small, who are who are storming the gates. So if you we're, hear anything in the background... To we're prepared our to defend our <laughs> we will we will talk about we will do musical deep dives as long as we possibly can. <laughs> hey, that's so I mean, eating one of us. We told them when we locked him out of the house that we were going to throw him a package of uh, hot dogs and you know, <laughs> be back in seven hours. They, they know like what to fades. expect. Yeah, they should have really taken their time with the hot dogs. <laughs> Seriously, they should. You should have known the time. Spread them out. <laughs> um, all right, so we've all done kind of a overview of where we've gone from fish. What is kind of for everyone in, in just a couple of sentences, what has listening to Fish really taught you about how to listen to music? Obviously, our directions have gone in different places. Um, and like the different eras of Fish, there's a lot to take away. So, um, Matt, for you, like what, what has it really taught you about listening to music? I think um, when I think about Fish and I try to explain Fish to people and the concept of sort of getting Fish... Um, what I tell them usually is that it's like learning a new language. Mm. And I say that because I think that um, the way that I listen to fish is as a musical conversation, uh, something that's happening between the four people. And you, so you're sort of eavesdropping. I think learning how to listen to music that way um, was a huge thing. And that, that kind of then um, has taken me into some of the changes in my taste since, the, since I got into fish. Nice. Yeah. For me, it's it's listening to um, each band member's contributions as opposed to just listening to a band. Like when I, I've listened to jazz for as long as I've listened to Fish, but now like listening to the Miles Davis Quintet, it's different because I I'm actually every time I listen, I'm listening to something slightly different. Which I've had I've had to train my ear because like I feel like. You know, I can hear an awesome fish jam and I can, I just hear Trey, you know, I just hear Trey with his like amazing guitar playing and that's like all I hear. But so I've trained myself to kind of listen to stuff and that has taught me to listen to specific instruments, you know, of different bands. And I think maybe that's, maybe a lot of people do that naturally, but that's just not how I, how I hear music. I think for me, um, that's certainly something that I've learned from fish and some other bands as well. But um, also it's the uh, kind of a preparedness and a willingness to to go around a blind corner musically and to let the band do that. Um, so Fish does it and I'm fine with it. Um, so other artists that I listen to, they can they can do that and it won't throw me off uh, the back of the truck there. Mm. I, I will I will stay yeah. on and see where this ride goes. I like that. I'd say certainly staying, staying true to yourself and building up a large discography. What's great about Fish is they have a lot of records. They've never strayed from doing what they want to do. They have good records. They have bad records. They have tons of live shows. There's just so much to get into, and you can do as little as you want or as much as you want. And it's, it's a security blanket. It's always there, and I just appreciate it being there. Yeah, I think for me, it uh, boils down to three really quick things. Um, don't just give a band one chance. You know, there's so much about fish that you could just scoff off, and um, you've just missed all of this music. And there are a couple of bands that I've found myself loving after kind of pushing aside for whatever reason. Um, 
like you were saying, Jonathan, really embracing when a band seeks weirdness and experimentation in an intentional manner. Um, it usually brings out something good for them, even if it's not their natural place. Um, but finally, I think this really is important for a fish, and it really doesn't reflect a lot of the music I listen to, but um, appreciating humor in music. Fish does such a good job as deep as they go in, into dark, dark jams, and as weird and psychedelic as they've been, they're a pretty hilarious band. And I think we all you know, find reason to laugh at every single show at least once. And that's a really important thing to kind of like show you the lightness, you know, contrast to the darkness. Um, but kind of staying on the topic of really experimental music, what's the most experimental music you've listened to and you've allowed yourself to listen to since discovering Fish? I think for me, um, we talked about it a little bit before, it was the 70s era Miles Davis stuff. Um, that's kind of my, my, from like in a silent way until his brief retirement is kind of like the sweet spot for Miles. Um, and I think that's, you know, I don't get too into a lot of ambient uh, or s stuff that's that's too far out there. But um, in terms of that, that type of playing and other other free playing as well, Ornette Coleman, stuff like that, um, in, in inside of that realm, the weirder, the better. I like to I like to hear it get pretty far out there. I think Animal Collective is, is the is like the furthest I've gone out there. Um not counting Miles Davis's late years, which are different. I wouldn't say experimental. It's just weird. Um, yeah. That's like the weirdest music I've found myself listening to. Strawberry Jam, like those albums mm -hmm. that are pretty fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but still like a retaining mel melody. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, wild yeah, how, right. they, how they do that. Yeah. I, um... So I thought about this, you know, I had, we had this question in the notes, and I was like, well, what... I, I don't even know when I'm listening to something experimental anymore. I always I look at it as, you know, that's that that thing that we 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 say. I think it's come up on the podcast before. And it's like people at uh, fish shows. It might be friends you haven't even met yet. And it's kind of a maybe a cheesy notion, but it's there's a there's a truth there. And to me, um, what might be experimental is just like my favorite album I haven't heard yet. So I mean, I've. Every everything I haven't listened to is an experiment. Taylor Swift was an experiment for me. Mm. That was that was getting experimental because I had not listened to anything really like that in a long time. And I was listening to nineteen eighty nine. Thank you, Ryan Adams. And um and it and it's great, you know, but and then I listened to uh, I mentioned the Cosmic Dead and, you know, really out there stuff from those guys or um uh Matt Valentine. Um but, you know, I don't there, there are really deep corners out there, and I dive into them, and I pull something out, and then I dive into a different one. So I don't really know what the good answer is for that. <laughs> Certainly, when I was in college, I listened to a lot of '90s stuff from the Thrill Jockey label, like Tortoise, Isotope, Two Seventeen, Sea and Cake. I mean, not so much. Um, but for me, it always comes down to: I need songs, I need melodies, I need verses and choruses. Some of the more ambient stuff we sometimes explore and beyond the pond I find interesting without always wanting to return back to. You don't? I don't. <laughs> you don't return back? <laughs> sometimes I come back. <laughs> Stars of the Lid, I didn't know much about that album. It's fantastic. The Stars of the Lid stuff is great. Uh, one band that sticks out, Talk Talk. Certainly uh, the late 80s, early 90s incarnation of that band. They kind of shifted from being um, 
intelligent new wave to really kind of predating Radiohead by several years in terms of um, lots of space and distance. So I can that could kind of be something. I don't know if I got them directly from Fish exactly, but uh, that's one band that certainly comes up. And yes, we've been talking about the really scronky Miles stuff, Ornette Coleman, all that. But um, give me some songs. Give me some experimental songs. I just need a hook to hang my hat on in this day and age. <laughs> yeah, for me, it uh, there's a record that came out in 2013 that we actually talked about uh, on episode four of Beyond the Pond. It's pretty much as dark and as weird as I've allowed myself to go as a listener. It's the Hacks and Cloaks uh, excavation, which was... Um, I did enjoy that. Yeah, great, great. I mean, I don't know if I could say... Uh, a great record it's a very interesting very heavy record it um it's a london producer that basically wanted to create an album of what it meant to go on the journey from life into death and it's incredibly dark it's incredibly harrowing it's very uncomfortable at times but um for me if i hadn't gotten into or allowed myself to listen to like the 42 minute 50 minute tweezers and david bowie's from summer 95 that really touch on that point they kind of bring up those feelings in you um I don't think I would have been able to ever stomach something like this. and um, So it's been a pretty big record. That was a pretty far reach for me, but I'm always willing to go there. Um, so kind of stepping back, want to thank you guys from uh, HF Pod for joining us. Before we go, are there any new albums that you guys have uh, on your horizon that you're looking out for? Um, I am... Uh, there's two I'd, I'd like to mention one i don't think needs much discussions there's a new sharon jones record that's, uh, that's fixing right. to drop uh i think it's called soul of a woman yes so um i'm excited about that and then um the uh there's a new record from uh wet tuna which would be their first album and that's matt valentine and pg6 mm. uh the tower recordings and they put this band together, I think, early this year. And there's on their band camp, they've got a couple live recordings that are outstanding. So I'm really excited for that record. Wet Tuna. Sweet. Yeah, I guess throwing back to the earlier part of the conversation, um, I'd like to see uh, King Gizzard uh, fulfill their promise of five albums. Five it looks like album. they've got at least four that are going to happen. Hopefully they squeak one in like on New Year's Eve or something like that as a surprise or whatever. Um, but yeah, otherwise, other than that, I think it's going to be a, a relatively quiet fourth quarter, in, mm-hmm. at least in terms of stuff I'm looking for. I think there's supposed to be a new U2 album coming out in December. And even though U2 at this stage of the game is not nearly what they were in the Octung Baby, Joshua Tree era... I'm still looking forward to hearing it, just because I hated the last album so much. So I want to see if they can bounce back with all the money and people's jobs at the record label on the line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For me, I know that there's rumors of a new Vampire Weekend record coming out, Rostumless, that uh, I'm really excited for. I loved Modern Vampires of the City back in 2013. I think that was my favorite record of the year. Um, as of time of recording, I have not listened to. Uh, the new Destroyer record. Very much excited about that. And, Me either. Um, it's on my phone. It won't be new when this comes out, but uh, as of right now, I have yet to hear it. So, yeah, definitely feel like it's going to be a little bit of a quieter fourth quarter, though. Um, but lots of good music to listen to from the early part of the year, nonetheless. So, anyway, I just really uh, like to thank you guys for being with us this afternoon and going through. I know. 
This has been uh, extremely enjoyable for us to talk fish. and I think we should thank the wives. Yeah. yeah. Really, yes. They allowed this thing to come together, and they allowed us to uh, take over RJ's home. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you. You, you, yeah. You guys make it up. Yeah, yeah, Rachel, I mean, has been locked outside with three children all, <laughs> all afternoon. All afternoon. Yeah. I mean, it's a nice day and all, but. I think we should let her back in. What do you guys think? In a minute. She just, yep. she just signaled that the hot dogs are gone. So. Yeah. <laughs> Started eating the plastic. <laughs> it's been fun, and you guys, um, Dave, especially you, making the trip from New York is great. Everyone else made you know, less far trips, and so I'm less grateful to you all. But, <laughs> David, I'm really grateful to you for making the trip from New York. These guys Thanks. came from Virginia. I mean, come on. Chance to make a trip to New York. I like a train ride. It yeah. sounds like a His Golden Messenger song. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I like a train ride. <laughs> but anyway, um, on behalf of Beyond the Pond, I'm David Goldstein. I'm Brian Brinkman. He's hey. Matt Dwyer. Hey. <laughs> this is Matt. Jonathan, I'm RJ, and we have a seat for Brad, as usual. Um, yeah, we're from the Helping Friendly Podcast. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. Helping Friendly Podcast. And come back with us in two Tuesdays. We will convene, and we will go beyond the pond. Yes, I've never seen No way, That's what you told me, baby That day Yes, then we will.